Listen, as we are vastly approaching Serve Day this Saturday, I want to take what we're doing this weekend and put it in a bigger context, some framework that you can see. It's just not something that we're going out and do. I want to kind of zero back all the way to where you can see the big picture if the Lord will allow me to do this. Listen, this life is the training for the next life. Every day that we live to, on this earth, it is either loss or gain. If, if you do not know Jesus, you are heading for complete loss. And if you know Christ, you're heading for complete gain. More than you could ever think or imagine is your destiny. Amen. I mean, you got, that's exciting. Now I want to urge you to look at this weekend. And I, I pray that every single one of you are involved because this is some of the greatest ministry that you will do. Serving the Lord really is a daily occurrence and it should be saturated with selflessness. This weekend is kind of, you know, a picture of what our daily life and living should really look like in different capacities. If God calls you to be his servant, there's no need to stoop down to be an earthly king. The greatest thing that you and I could ever be part of is working in the kingdom of God. If doing work is solely to deaden the conscience or to some kind of way outweigh the scales in your life, it is all done in vain. But if your desire is to please the Lord who has given us all things, and your desire is to please him. Skies are the limit for you when you get to heaven. That day that we will face Jesus is fast approaching. Fast approaching. Paul would tell us, be careful how we build. And that's the title of tonight's message. Because I want to talk about some of the things that we may have misconceptions on. Now, tonight, we're going to have a lot of scripture as usual. I pray that you love scripture. Please don't check out on me. Now, tonight, we're going to look at the principles when we stand before Jesus in judgment. And, and okay, when I talk about judgment, this is a good judgment. This is what we are building our life towards. I don't want you to be fearful. I don't want you to be scared. I want you to be encouraged. Because once again, when you're serving this weekend, you can know that you are, you are stacking treasure in heaven based on what you're doing. Let's look at the verses tonight. Tonight we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 15. Now before we get started, let me back up. We're going to talk about the participants. We're going to talk about the time period. We're going to talk about the place, the purpose, the rewards. The principles and the preparation. So it sounds like a lot, but really it's not. But I promise you, it will be well worth your time. Verse 5, after all who is Apollos, who is Paul? We are only God's servants through him whom you believed the good news. Each of us did the, the work the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planning or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. You see, sometimes we focus on the who. We focus on what part we're playing. 
we're looking, okay, you see what I'm saying? We, we're looking at, well, I'm doing this. and th- th- Paul says that does not matter. Watch this. It says the one who plants and the one who waters works together with the same purpose. And both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are both God's workers and you are God's field. You are God's building. See, the purpose is simply to make a difference in the life of people. That's, that's what we're here for. Listen, when you run into someone out there, it's not really important at what part you play as long as we even add value to someone else's work. You know, you have family members like Maman and Aunt and Tantut that have been tirelessly pouring into someone that you may come in contact with and you will reap the benefit. You will reap the harvest. Or we are walking in to someone's life where Mama or Papa or Tartut tore them down in the name of Jesus. And you can be part of the healing that brings them back up. You may run into someone, someone who thinks that God has forgotten them. You may go into the, 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 the nursing home. And when you walk into the door, think about the people that will be there. You're, you're showing them that God cares for you. That God is sending me to tell you that he loves you. And that he is for you. And he, and he is, he's not done with you. Sometimes they need that encouragement. Some people don't think that church is even working in the community. We are the hands and feet to show them, yes, we are. We are here. We're, you and I are part of the greatest army that has ever existed, the church of Jesus Christ. There is no greater army on the face of this earth. And so when we understand that in the context of door-to-door or helping out, we're literally walking as soldiers of Christ, holding up the light in a place that is very dark. And the light that we are shining is shining the love of Jesus. Cleaning yards or buildings could be cleaning the discouragement off of someone's life. When you clean someone's yard, it's like when you, you know when you cut the grass, all of a sudden you feel like working in the flower bed? What if you're doing that and somebody's like, man, I need to get a grip in life. Look how nice this is. And it, it, it pushes them to want to do something more. You do not know what God is wanting to do in a surrendered heart. God is sending you to heal, to plant seed, to water seeds, and to, and to pull up the harvest. Maybe he'll use you to lay the foundation of stone of Christ. Maybe somebody has a faulty belief system out there and God is wanting you to come in and help plug in those areas where semen is cracked. No matter what happens, you and I are part of the building or the rebuilding project in people's lives. Verse 10, because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must Be very careful, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one that was already laid in Christ Jesus. Meaning, the foundation is Christ alone, salvation in Christ. 
That is the foundation that you and I are building on. Not to get Christ to do something for us. Amen? Any other, any other foundation is faulty. We need to understand that. You know, whether it's in church. You know, sometimes people, their foundation is their denomination. Or water baptism. Right? Or good works. Or legalism. What about outside? Other people would do these things on a, on a wrong foundation. So, Kelly, are you saying that if you build a foundation on anything else other than Christ, it is absolutely worthless to God? That's exactly what I'm saying. If you build on, on, on any other God, any other, any other thing that meets the needs of people, but it doesn't glorify God, when we stand before God, that's not even going to come up on the list. God will not even acknowledge that. But if we are building on Jesus Christ alone, which means he died for us, our faith is put in what he has accomplished, the sky is the limit. We can build and continually build and do damage to the kingdom of darkness and, and bring light to, the, to, to those that are around us. Because this whole thing is going somewhere. When, when we think about what we're doing for Christ, you know, we may meet the, the felt needs of the people. You know, there's a lot of people that worship cows or worship, they may be doing good things in their community, but it will not be even looked at by God. So I'm telling you, don't do what you're doing just for a man or, or because somebody's watching. Do it for the glory of God. That is what you take with you. That is storing treasures in heaven. The tragedy is many people spend their whole life building things and they, they're going to leave it here and go and have nothing. It will be literally dismissible evidence in court when we get to, to, to heaven. So once again, the framework is the foundation is Christ. Christ already loves you. Christ already died for you. You're not building upon Christ to get something. You're getting, you're building on Christ because you and I get to. Amen? Now verse 12. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value, and if the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. You know what that means? That we're there because Christ alone, once again, he is the foundation. That is what get, gets you in to heaven. The name of Jesus kicks the doors of heaven open and allows you and I to walk in just like Rockefeller opens the doors of the banks. Now the next great event 
on the horizon is the rapture of the church where the trump of God will sound, the dead in Christ shall rise and we shall be changed. This corruptible body that has to get on the torture rack of the treadmill will leave that behind and go up into heaven with a perfect body, perfect mind, un no ability to sin whatsoever. And the church said amen on that. <laughs> amen. Praise God. 2 Corinthians 5.10 for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. So that's who us who believe in Jesus, who live for Jesus. We go to the judgment seat of Christ, which will be a glorious time. I cannot wait. But those that do not know Christ will go to the great white throne judgment which is after the rapture, you have the seven-year tribulation, whatever you believe that falls in between. Then you have the thousand-year reign of Christ. And then after that is that judgment. That means people that die right now and go to hell are there for at least a thousand years because they come out to go into the lake of fire. That is the reason we go out and, and proclaim the gospel because that is the truth. But you and I have the ability and the privilege to go into darkness and spread the word, spread the light, and expect God to call them in. Amen? So let me take a moment to share the gospel. Because I don't know where you are, and I don't know what you believe about the gospel. But I feel like if I don't press this point home a little further, that some of you may just walk out thinking, oh, Jesus, I believe in him, but Let's look at it. God is holy. He's righteous. He's pure. He's fair. And he's loving. Right? We've all sinned, the Bible says, and fall short of the glory of God. And God cannot allow or wink at sin. He would become unrighteous. So let's turn the argument on its head. People say, why would God allow people to go to hell? The question is, why did God choose to save people? That's the question. That's how I look at it. Why we, fa we fail. We were duped by Satan. God could have turned his back on us and said, you know what? I'm done. But instead, he chose to send Christ, amen, to die uh, uh, the death that you and I should have died so we can gain the righteousness of Christ. So when you look at that, you know what it does? It towers God be beyond what our thoughts are. It makes God huge in mercy, great in mercy, great in love. You know why? Because he was not obligated to do anything for us, but yet he chose to do that. That's amazing. So our foundation needs to be God's, how God views it, not how we see it. Because we're going to see, oh man, I can't believe God is not right. God's not fair. All these other things. Because we're looking at it from my, our point of view. But we gotta, we gotta get higher and see it how God sees it. God towers over humanity and he says, you know what? You blew it, but I love you and I'm gonna do something about it. And that's exactly what he did by sending Christ. While we were yet sinners, Christ died. And listen, we're not saved from some third party, okay? We act like he saved us and there's something over here. No, God saved us. From himself, really, if you think about it, we're saved by God, right? Saved from God and saved for God. I like that. So Jesus died for the world because God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, but Jesus also loved the righteousness of God. 
He loved the holiness of God. You need to understand something that it'll make it, it, it it'll, it'll make the light bulb go off, go off. If you don't understand all the different aspects of God, it's like building a brick house with no mortar. We have to understand it all. We have to understand that, yes, God, if God loves, loves us so much, then there's nothing that he wouldn't do, but he did everything he could do. The rest is on us. Listen, Jesus walked out God's righteousness and holiness, but it was not his life that saved us. Let that sink in. See, if Christ just walks this earth, lives holy and righteous, and then goes to heaven, we still die in our sin. We still are unable to reach God. God is still unfathomable to us. He's unengageable. He's untouchable. But by Christ dying in our place, he gives us access. And listen, Christ's life is what gives us the righteousness because Jesus comes under the law. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you think about it, that's still under the Old Testament. It's just labeled the New Testament, but he's walking perfectly, fulfilling all righteousness. So Jesus had to die for us to receive the gift that is offered. So if we don't receive the gift, there's nothing else. That's the importance of understanding Christ. We gain forgiveness by his death, but we gain righteousness by his living. Let me drive this a little further. Jesus did a few things. The first term is a term that's called propitiation. Now watch this verse. Psalm 711. God is an honest judge and he is angry with the wicked every day. You probably never read that. I probably won't come up in your U version verse of the day. <laughs> but. What that means is it's not a scary thing. It's a good thing. That the Bible says in Isaiah that it pleased God to, to bruise his son, which means his righteousness and holiness was focused on sin. At one point when Christ died, it got, and, and the Bible says that it got dark. God was judging us on behalf of Christ. That's the greatest news you and I can hear. In other words, the propitiation means it appeased the anger of God. See, God's anger just didn't go away because we sing good, good father. We can sing good, good father because Christ has taken that upon, you know, Christ had to be looked away so God could look at us. That's why we worship Jesus. It's not just singing a song to some imaginary force. We are singing to the King of Kings who chose to receive us into his kingdom. The gospel is the greatest news. This had to come out of the mind of God. No one could just write this great story that's 100% accurate from the genesis of time all the way to the, to the end of Revelation. So you and I are part of that. You and I get to spread that great news God has called us to be ambassadors. He has given us a message that works. And then we go out and we scream it from the mountaintops. Amen? Colossians 1, 20 through 22. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by the means of Christ's blood on the cross. 
That's even the earth. In a sense, I guess you could say we're part of the spiritual global warming problem. You'll get that in a minute. The earth groans because we plummeted it into sin because of the fall. (laughs) And one day that's going to be redeemed. And the verse 21, it says, this includes you who were far off from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. In other words, our very existence separated us from God. Some people just don't even get that aspect of it. They're like, man, I'm a good person, but we don't line it up with Jesus. We don't line it up with God's standard. And when we do that, the light bulb goes off. The law is meant to show us we cannot fulfill it. The law is to point us to Christ and run to him. And that is what we do when we put our faith and trust in Jesus. We realize that it's his righteousness. It's him alone. It's him that empowers us. It's him that gives us grace. It's him that that calls us. It's him that gives us everything that we need. So this judgment thing and, and the things that we do for him like this weekend is starting to make a bigger uh, amount of sense to us. Look verse 22. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his presence and you are, look, I love this part. <laughs> Got the free song. You are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Amen. Praise God. You might say, well, you don't know the thoughts I had. I know Christ, Christ knows and he paid for it. Now, this doesn't give you, I could do whatever I want. If you feel like you can do whatever you want because your sins are paid for, that's not salvation. Paul would address that in Romans 6. You know, somebody, I was talking to somebody yesterday. I was like, well, some people believe that if you, you know, Christ died and then you, you die and you, and you say a curse word before you, you wreck, you know, uh, that somehow you're lost. It's like, well, that's a not good thought because every sin that you committed was in the future when Christ died. Right? But when you understand grace, you don't want to walk around and see how far, like Pastor Todd always says, getting close to the fence. It empowers you to real, to understand that, man, I'm saved. You see, we don't know how saved we are. I think that's the problem. It's like, We're so scared we're not. Listen, if Jesus is living on the inside of you, his imprint, his spirit is bearing witness with you. Amen. Praise God. It is. It's like the ring on the finger. He is saying, I've given you my spirit. Stop questioning. Stop doubting. But if you're walking around because you can quote some verses and still want to live like you live, look for your ring. You know what I mean? (laughs) I'm a husband. I do everything out of being a husband. I can't live like I'm single and say, well, I'm married because I don't have my ring. (laughs) So you live out of what you are. You read the Bible because you are Christian. You come to church because you are Christian. You don't come to church to become a Christian. That's why you take the works and you got to put it in its proper context. I'm going somewhere. (laughs) I am. Trust me, it gets it gets shorter in some spots. I was all over the place today. I was like, come on. (laughs) Galatians 4, 4 through 5. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. Christ fulfilled the law, which makes us law fulfillers. That's amazing. That really is amazing. That is truth. 
Don't wake up feeling condemned when the devil tells you you had a bad thought. You have the ability to go to Christ. See, if you look at the Last Supper, Peter, when he's being washed or when he's talking about being washed, they had a custom that you have to wash your feet. And Jesus would tell them that, that you're clean, but your feet needs washing. In other words, like we pick up dust in day to day, but we're fully clean. We're fully washed. But when we pick up issues in life, we bring them to Jesus and, and ask him to forgive us. Like, don't think because I'm saved, I never have to repent. That's not right at all. If you don't believe that's correct, once again, do it in your marriage. Well, you know I'm sorry. I don't have to say I'm sorry. You know I love you. I don't have to tell you I'm sorry. That's not how it works. How's your relationship look if you do that? But listen, by his death, he brought us in out of slavery, made us his children. The wages of sin is death. Christ pays the penalty, period, exclamation point, no question mark. Amen? So God considers us justified just as if we never sinned. Really, it's the paperwork in heaven. It's saying, okay, you're registered up here. That doesn't change. Our sanctification, our daily life and living, man, that thing goes off the charts. Oh, man, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? You probably had that multiple times throughout the day. I wonder if hormones and testosterone plays a part in our sin problems. Let me just, <laughs> Ms. Tong's like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> And I'm sure it's in here. I just hadn't come across it, but you know, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> now, listen, this is the most amazing part. God is holy. He is righteous. He is perfect. And all he can accept is perf perfection. How many of you were perfect today? No. Why do you think it's so amazing to worship Jesus? He is the one who paid the penalty. He is the one who makes us right with God. And there's plenty of verses to tell us this. See, Jesus settled the red hat, the red hot wrath of God. Remember in the, in the garden, he's talking about the cup. Jesus drank every single drop of the cup. To those that do not accept Christ, who do not live for Christ, who do not jump into his family, they have to drink every single drop of it, and it will be for eternity. That is the news we bring. That is what cutting grass and painting and, and pressure washing is about, to get the conversation going, to bring people in. When we go and hang door flyers for school supplies, it's really going to their house and kicking open their door and opening them up to the kingdom of God. It's not about sweating. It's not about water. It's not about bag lunches. It's about running into the community and devastating them with the grace and love of Jesus. Amen. Look at what it says in Romans 3.25. People are made right with God when they believe. Think about it. You're made right. Romans 3.26, God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just. And he declares sinners to be right in his sight. But I don't feel right. God declares us to be right. That's the best news you'll hear tonight. That means, well, I don't feel. God is saying your righteousness, look at Christ. When you stand before God on that day of judgment, and he said, I don't know if he'll say that, probably not. I don't know the dialogue, actually, but. Why should I let you in? Because of Christ. Christ, him. But I, it's not, well, I did missions. I did, I did. No, 
because of Christ. We'll get to all the things that happen and, and, and are done. And the minute I get the, the reward and the thankfulness, I'm giving it right back to Christ because he gave me the air to breathe. He gave me, he gave me the heart to serve out of. He gave me the eyes to see the word. He gave me the passion to wake up every morning and tell the good news. Right? It's all Christ. All of it. Everything. That's why it doesn't do any good to gloat. Look at me. Bruh. <laughs> Sorry about that. I guess we, we're family. Bruh, God could use a donkey. Right? <laughs> I mean, my goodness. I mean, I appreciate <laughs> the pat on the back, but you, you can pat a donkey on it. <laughs> Keep moving, Kelly. Stick to the paper. And then glorification. So we justified, sanctified, which means we live our life for Christ. He blesses us. He gives us power. He gives us gifts. We live our life. And then glorification. In other words, the dead in Christ shall rise, right? This corruptible. In other words, we leave our guts here, right? We leave the, the, <laughs> I could go into like, you know, the leg thing. <laughs> Uh, you know, the patchy beard. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> All right. John 5, For not even the Father judges anyone, but God has given all judgment to the Son. This is the good news too, because Christ identifies with our weakness. The one who is judging you knows you. He knows everything about you. He paid for everything you would ever do. So think about this. We get to the participants. For we must all appear. Paul puts himself, that's Christians, before the judgment seat of Christ. He's speaking to believers. We go to the judgment seat of Christ. The time period. 1 Corinthians 4, 5 says, Do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes who will both bring to light the things hidden in the darkness and, the closed, and disclose the motives of men's hearts. As each man, each man's praise will come from God. Imagine the conversation that you will have with Jesus Christ on that day about this weekend. Don't think for one second he's not writing it down. If he knows every hair on your head or lack thereof, he knows exactly what we're doing for him. And that's a good thing. Or, <laughs> praise God. And it's, it's just a, and it, it's a fearful thing as well, but not in the fearful way that Revelation 22, 12 through 13, behold, I'm coming quickly. My reward is with me to render every man according to what he has done. I'm the alpha and the omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Listen, this happens sometimes after the rapture of the church. I'm sorry, I'm hot. <laughs> I'm going to mess, mess nothing up. <laughs> Number three, the place. The place, for we must all appear before the judgment seat. This word is bima, and it was served for three purposes. The military got disciplined at the bima seat. Uh, people settled disputes at the, at the bima seat in the, in the Roman period. And also, when, when you ran your race, you were giving your award at the bima seat. Number four, the purpose. Second, Second Corinthians 5.10, that we may be recompensed 
for the deeds in the, done in the body according to, uh, to what he has done, whether good or bad. Now, when you look at that, you think, oh, there's bad. We answer for sin. That's not what that word is, means. It's not, it, some translations even say evil. It's a, it, it does not mean that you sit there and you pay for sin. Remember, Christ paid for our penalty of sin. All right? Now, I'm going to get further into this because I want you to see what I'm talking about. It, what, what's the next verse? Yeah. John 5, 24. Truly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed from death unto life. You got to understand, when you stand before the Bema seat, it's not to go to hell. It's two different places, two different words. The great white throne is to only be formally sentenced to be cast into the lake of fire, which the Bible calls the second death. But when you and I get taken into heaven, we're in heaven. We're getting, we're, we're not getting judged whether we're going to get sent back. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> right? Man, this is awesome. You did this. Go away. <laughs> you know? <laughs> no. Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Why? Because Christ paid the penalty, justified, just as if you never sinned. That's where we mess up, man. We walk this earth. We, we make a mistake. We, sometimes we run to the mistake, right? No? Yeah? We run to it and we say, gosh, I shouldn't have done that. God, I'm so sorry. Cleansing emotionally, mentally, all of those things, we choose to sit in it. We choose to, 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 to pick up the, the, the Play-Doh, so to speak, and, and, and look at it and, and fixate on it. Sometimes we make our pain our idol. And we just go to that because that's where we feel like, well, I got some attention in the pain. I'm going to keep moving. Colossians 2, 13 through 14, you were dead in your sins because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all of our sin. Listen, he canceled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Oh, man, I don't know that you understand. When you die, we get what we don't deserve. That's mercy. That's grace. Dude, some people literally think they deserve to go to heaven. That's the problem. When you, when you line yourself up with the standard of God and who God is, you know you don't deserve it. I know I don't deserve it. And I'm standing right here. But that's the beauty of Jesus. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's what you and I are bringing to people. That's what you bring to Bomomon. And Papa and Tontut. You bring that. Amen? You don't have to sit in the... Remember how back in the day you used to play cards and they have that little, that little pouch and you click the top, click the bottom, you pull the little cards with the bulldogs out on the back and you just play bourree or whatever? Now you can have the conversation about Jesus. Now you can sit down and talk to Mama as she's rocking in her chair and say, listen, I know we, we grew up in religion. I know we grew up in all this and that. But let me just get to the basics. Christ died for you and I. Put your faith and trust in him. It's like Brother Francis always says, when you're discussing denomination and all this stuff or Catholicism or whatever it is, just take the, the, the stake and throw it next to the person and they'll drop the bone of religion. Amen? 
present the gospel. And listen, present it in such a way that you're expecting God to back the gospel. I'm expecting God to change and move on people's hearts. He's in management. I'm in sales. Right? And so are you. Praise God. Let's keep going. So the purpose is to review and reward. Now let's look at some of the things that will be reviewed. And I have the verses for this. I don't want you to think I just made this up. How we treat others, loving or unlovable. How we use our God-given talents. We can find this out if you want to go into uh, the Next Steps class. This is where we talk about things like this. How we steward our money. Once again, we talk about that in the class. How we endure injustice or mistreatment. You know, there's going to be some things in heaven that you could be like, it's not fair here. My reputation was ruined because of this or that. When you stand before God, that will be wiped away and you will be vindicated. Right? When people think certain things about you, you could be like, that's not true. And you spend your whole time here trying to defend yourself. You and I will be defended one day before the, 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 the high court in heaven. He will judge us how we run our race, how we control our fleshly appetites, on soul winning. Who, who are we winning to Christ? Our faithfulness to his word. How hospitable we are. He'll look at our work ethic. How we use our mouth. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm a, it's like, hey, I'm a, get, you can go. You can go ahead. Oh, yeah. I'm not hey, is, uh, can I speak to Moses? Moses, man, you know me, right? <laughs> Somebody? <laughs> we, we, there ain't going to be no cutting lines in that day. Amen. <laughs> now, going back to the good or bad, the bad works me is the word Follows and it means worthlessness or bad quality. So that's what it means. It means when we go before God, everything that we've done is going to be put into a fire. And it says that we get all of our praise from God. I like that. Think about that. So that means if we had a bad motive, if we was like, look at me, guess what? Wood, hay, and stubble is going to be... And everybody's going to be like, you thought that was about Jesus, but it looked like it was about you. Man, look at the smoke that's coming off of your body, right? But if you did things, listen, the unnoticed here will be noticed there. The person that's handing out bulletins not to get a pat on the back or ushering or working in the children's church that you don't even know their name will be applauded in heaven. Amen. It'll be applauded in heaven when all of heaven is saying, look at what this person did not for their own glory, but for the glory of Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you, do that. Do that. Don't walk around with the symbols, boom, or words something like, praise God, uh, I did this for the Lord, and then, boom, this is, you know, you know how you know, people do that false deal? No? Well, I know some people that do that sometimes, and, you know, Facebook and, and Instagram is like the new symbol or the new horn of announcing. Now, you know, they have reasons to do that and whatnot, but I'm just talking about sometimes you got to let the, not let the right hand know what the left hand is doing. Amen? Okay, let's keep going. <laughs> now, I, I, this is a powerful quote by George Whitfield. He actually, God used him to bring in the great awakening. And this is what he put. I am, in, I am content to wait till the judgment, to clear up my reputation. And after I'm dead, I desire no other epitaph 
than this. Here lies George Whitfield. What sort of man he was, the great day will discover. Think about that. So when we're serving the Lord, we're serving and God is writing down and he's situating. And when we stand before God, we'll be like, that thing I did, Lord? He'll say, but when you did this, this happened, this happened, and they came into the kingdom. That's going to be the, the stuff that we're going to be shocked about. Amen? Now look at what it says in 2 Corinthians 5.10. But we must all appear. That, that word means to be laid bare. That means it's going to be sprawled out. There ain't going to be no need to say, God, that's, I mean, I see how you see it, but that's not what I meant. We won't be able to do that. There won't be no lawyer. It's like, well, God, he had a bad day on that day. Jesus will know everything. And there'll be no need. And Jesus will say, you didn't even feel like I was with you and you did that. You were hurting and you put your arm around that person. And you nurtured them to health when you were drying up spiritually. Great is your reward. That's the kind of stuff that you and I get to be part of. Fix your mind on that now. Amen? Don't be like, well, at least I'm here. Something's going to get done. No, say, God, I'm, when you wake up Saturday morning, say, God, I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to expect to see miracles. Even if it's cutting the grass or washing something, I'm expecting somebody to walk out and get healed. You don't know what God wants to do when your motive is pure. Amen? 1 Corinthians 4, 5. He says he will bring both to light the things hidden and disclose the motive of men's hearts. So what we can do now is make sure that our heart is right. We don't have to fear that. Lord, am I doing this with the right motive? Lord, am I doing this for your glory? Am I doing this to get patted on the back? Listen, we can fool each other, but we can't fool the one whose eyes is like fire. But remember, he, I believe he will find something to, to, to praise us for. Now look at pastors and leaders. The Bible says they get a stricter judgment. And the reason I'm saying this is because some of you may teach the word. Some of you may do life groups. Some of you are life group leaders. You know, someone asked a pastor, who do you think is going to have it worse on that day? Murderers, thieves, adulterers. He said the pastors. Because these people do things in their own name. These people do things out of their evil nature. People that teach and, and, and proclaim the word and elders, they do it in the name of God. And we have to protect God's name, not that he can't protect himself, but we have to stand in proxy and, and allow people to see this is God. Even when I, when I would discipline Dylan, I would always, if I went overboard, I'd say, hey, that's not God. That was me. That's not how God is. And I think we need to live our lives that way, that we're representing the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Amen. Now look at the rewards. This is the good part. And start to think what you are doing right now. You, I want you to understand something. The Jesus of the cross is the Jesus on the throne. So he knows us. He, he knows our motives. The, the issue is getting it right before God. And that's why I gave you the whole gospel in the beginning. Because if you're building on the right foundation, 
All we have to do is say, Jesus, you did it all. I'm doing this for you, for your glory. Like Pastor Todd said in Romans during uh, Sunday's message, it's our act of service. It's our worship before God. We get an imperishable crown. Those who practice self-discipline and self-control. Number two, the crown of righteousness. This is a crown for those who take personal enjoyment and are eagerly waiting for his return. Like the rapture. I know I'm going to get that one. (laughs) Amen. The crown of life. Those who endure suffering associated with temptation or, or tribulation of sorts. Trials that we go through. When you endure that and you keep moving forward, there is a crown waiting for you. The crown of rejoicing. Listen to this. This is the crown that soul winners get, that people that disciple. You could say life group leaders would get this. Those who go to work and their mindset is to do their work and be a good, uh, a good mentor for Christ, they get this crown. And then the crown of glory. This is for pastors and elders who shepherd the people that God says, I'm holding you personally responsible for every person in your church. I know. Yeah, it's, <laughs> pray for us. <laughs> now look at the, the principle of judgment. I'm going to go through this quickly. It's going to be fair. Remember the parable, how one came to work early and one came to work late and they got the same. And it was like, man, I've been here all day. Jesus is fair. Basically, you come into the kingdom a week before you die. <laughs> and then somebody that's been serving all their life, God is going to take that and judge it fairly. Thoroughly, we already talked about that. It's going to laid bare. We must all appear. In other words, it's going to be stripped down before before God to see. It'll be done impartially. Accept more accountability, like we talked about for the for the leaders. James three one says, "Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church." This might not help with life group leaders, <laughs> but listen. The work is a great work. I'm telling you, there's nothing better than knowing this Bible. Use this as your pillow. Everything that you and I need to know about life is in this book. And God's going to use your tongue to tell other peoples. That's a great thing to be part of. There's nothing better than, than understanding the gospel and being able to share it. That's what we take with us when we leave here. Amen. It says, Matthew 5, 19. So if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called least in the kingdom. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be great in the kingdom of heaven. You know what that means? If you're teaching in 412 or you're teaching in kids' life and you're teaching scriptures to the kids, you're great in the kingdom of heaven. Whether you're in in some college somewhere teaching people with PhDs, it doesn't matter. You're great when you stick to the gospel. I like this verse in 2 Timothy 2.15. Study and be eager and do your utmost to present yourself to God approved, tested by trial, a workman who has no cause to be ashamed. Look, Look at this, correctly analyzing and accurately dividing rightfully handling and skillfully teaching the word of truth. Amen. And then individually. <laughs> you know, I was in the choir one time, not here, wouldn't do that no more. But I was in the choir way back in the day, and I would just say watermelon and stay way away from that little hanging microphone. 
But there's going to be a solo time when we stand before Jesus. I know. It, but what I'm trying to tell us is that we can, we can look at that situation now and make provisions now to stand before him one day. And that's part of the preparation. Listen, we've all started wrong, some of us. We're, we peedled out, whatever you say it. We've hidden our talents, right? Some, we've buried them. But today we can turn it around. We can live in the framework of Jesus. We can live in the framework of one day, I will be able to bring this act of worship to my king. You know, I think about Billy Graham. He said, I hope and pray that one day God will say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. One of my childhood heroes, Fred Rogers, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, on his deathbed, he asked his wife, do you think I'm a sheep? And she, Miss Joanne said, Fred, if anybody was a sheep, it was you. And it's not because of the things he did, it's because of the faith he did it from. Amen? So make sure the foundation is sure. Now here's what we could do this weekend. Fight to keep a good attitude. Right? Fight to be joyful in witnessing for Christ. This weekend is an opportunity, like I said, to devastate this city. To, to show them the love of Jesus. To, to, to be the hands and feet. You don't know what God is orchestrating. Right now, there's people you're going to run into that God selected in his mind. Like, okay, you're going to talk to this one. You're going to talk to this one. And it's just the mind of having the mind of Christ and saying, God, I want to be where you want me to be. And I want to do what you want me to do. We're calling dying people to respond to a living Savior. We're dying every single day. But we, we can truly live when we go to heaven. And number two, our service is a gift of worship to Jesus. That's what we need to be thinking of. You know, how many of you, when you, so somebody's birthday comes, and you don't have to say this, you do this. I'm not asking for you to do but I know you do. I, I maybe did. But say somebody has a birthday, and it's like, oh, their birthday, let me go run, get them something, right? And you go get them something to say you got them something, right? And you give it to them, and you're sitting there at the birthday party saying, man, I wish I'd have put more thought into this, right? And you're like, man, I just, now multiply that by a million. But think about when you've given thought. And you, you got the perfect gift. You know exactly what they are gonna get. And you know that they want it. And, and you're, you're more excited than them, right? Multiply that by a million. That's what we can feel when we stand before God. Speaking of standing, can we stand now? That's the whole point of this entire message. Can you and I live like we're in line right now? We, we are, Living our life, walking towards that glorious day before Christ. And it don't have to be scary. It could be when we stand before him and we get to worship him to his face. We'll be able to say, here, Lord. We won't have to, to give him ashes that were burned up in a fire because we had a wrong motive. Or we wanted self to be promoted. We could say, God, I didn't get it right all the time, but 
Here's the jewels. Here's the crown. And I want you to have it because you are the one who paid the price that I can even be here. I don't deserve any of it. I want to give it all to you. And I want to encourage you. Live that way tonight. Live that way tomorrow. Live that way this weekend. Whatever you put your hands to, say, God, you see and and. All that matters is what you see. And my desire in this task that I'm about to do was I would glorify you, that I would worship you through what I'm doing. And I thank you that I have hands and feet and ability and power in my soul to carry out what you've called me to do. And I don't take it lightly because the king's work is the greatest work. Amen. Praise God. Now, you may be here and you may not even know Christ as your savior. I just want to pray a prayer with you. I'm not even going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm just going to pray. Because you may be here and say, I don't know. All I know is religion. Listen, pray this prayer with me. And if you mean it sincerely with your heart, your name will be written in the Lamb's book of life. Come on, as a church, can we pray this? Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name that is above every name, Jesus Christ. I acknowledge that I have sinned, that I have fallen short of your glory. I ask that you would save me. Thank you for accomplishing that work on the cross. I acknowledge that you are my Lord, that you are my Savior. In Jesus' name. I pray, amen. Praise God. Listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, there's a green card in front of your pew. Just fill it out and bring it into the the info center or in the lobby, and we have a a gift for you. Now listen, as we go, I want to pray that God would empower us and equip us, that we would build with precious, precious stones of a good attitude, of humility, of joy, right? Not stubbornness, not wood, hay, and stubble, but but a pure motive. God, I'm asking right now that you would search our hearts, that you would empower us, that you would equip us, God, to do the great work that you've called us to do this weekend. Father, we honor you, and we, we, we declare right now that Saturday will be a time of worship. And God, we acknowledge that everything that you've called us to do, we will do it with the best of intentions with the best attitude that we could possibly have and with joy in our hearts. In Jesus' name, I pray and ask. And the church said, amen and amen. Praise God. Come on, give him a hand of praise. Yes. Yeah. Oh, we serve a good God. Listen, if you need prayer for anything, we'll be up here. We'd love to pray with you. If not, good night and God bless.